VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-soda we go insane. Uh, and we also dig into the things that we've been uh, watching and, and reading. Um, I think that's it recently. I'm Terry. Hi. I'm Mary Beth. The, the energy is already off. It's incredible. Um, I'm Mary Beth. Yeah. Uh, and this week we are chatting about how politics are scary in space. Um, an interesting rape revenge story. Uh, the weirdest semi-true crime story. Mary Beth shares her wild weekend watches with her family, uh, and then we accidentally... wait. (laughs) It's a wild fucking weekend. Uh, And then we accidentally both read the same book at the same time. I don't know how that happened, but I'm so fucking happy. It did. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh... Oh, real quick. If you're listening to this, it's a Friday. Uh, Earlier this week, we... I'm getting really confused because we're recording this on a Tuesday. The Fresh Wounds episode drops on Wednesday, but it, this this episode is dropping on Friday, so I don't know what tense to use. But basically, if you're listening to this on Friday, the Fresh Wounds episode, our new Fresh Wounds episode has dropped on Patreon for our Fresh Wounds patrons. We are discussing Inside, absolutely incredible conversation for about an absolutely incredible movie that is definitely one of my all-time favorites, and I think it might be one of Terry's, too, now. Mm, So please, if you want to listen to that, you should become a patron at the Fresh Wounds level. Uh, It's a really good combo. It's like a two-hour podcast episode, so check that out. Less than that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we get, again, we get lots of contacts. I read book passages. Mm -hmm. Y'all, like, it is very well-researched. It really is. But yes, please go check that out because we put a lot of love into those and they're really fun Mm. conversations. And quite smart, if I do say so myself. On that note, politics are scary in space. Politics are scary in general, but like in space, I could, yeah. So um, I can talk about this one now. Um, It is a Tribeca film called ISS, the International Space Station, not 
in school suspension or anything. Thank you. you know, I really needed that clarification. <laughs> but it is about the International Space Station. Fuck. We follow this 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 new astronaut that's that's going up there, who's queer, by the way. Oh. A person of color. Love that. And she is going up into space to go to the space station with, um, she's new, she's a, a biologist, she worked in the Marines, and she's going up there with her coworker who has been up there in space at the ISS a couple times, played by John Gallagher Jr. Oh! Uh, this cast is kind of stacked, I'll be perfectly honest. Ariana DeBose, or DeBose, DeBose, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, I apologize, Ariana, plays the, uh, the, new, the new astronaut going up into space. And they get up there. The uh, space station, of course, is a is a cohabitation between Russia and America. And so we meet some of the Russian uh, ast- cosmonauts and some of the American astronauts, <gasps> one of which is Christmasina. Oh, sorry. He's, de- he's dead, Dave. He is a dreamboat. I love him. And so they're up there. Uh, they're getting they're getting introduced it turns out uh, like you start to see kind of the interactions between the crew it's a very small crew three russians three americans one of the the russian women uh who is named nika and chris messina's character are uh kind of flirty and and um our new recruit is picking this up and so she's like asking about it and they're trying to keep it on the down low but they are definitely canoodling in space and so we kind of follow them. In space, after... no one can hear you fuck. Oh, exactly. Um, <laughs> although I think everyone... There's this really funny part where, like, they're going through all of this, like, stuff that, that, that you do in space. And they're showing him her, like, little sleeping pod and stuff. And um, that one night, she wakes up because she's having a hard time adjusting to sleeping, just sort of floating in space. And she opens up her little pod door and John Gallagher's character is literally just floating there like a zombie, but his eyes are open (laughs) and he sleeps with his eyes open. It's really creepy. And he's just sort of like floating and kind of slowly turning. But something happens and she she has this little panic attack and there's this one little room that is like a, a kind of an open globe window where they can see Earth and it's really beautiful. And so she goes up there to like calm down. And as she's up there, she sees something. And she's like, wait, is that a volcano exploding? And then another explosion happens. And pretty soon there's just like balls of fire. Absolutely the fuck not. That's my worst nightmare. And they're just like, all of a sudden there's like fire spreading over the part of the globe that they are floating above. And everyone starts like panicking. They can't seem to get in touch with NASA or the Russian. What the fuck? And then a message... Sorry, a message I just comes like... through. <laughs> it's intense. And then a, a message comes through to Chris Messina's character saying there's been a nuclear there's been a war between Russia and the United States. You must take over the spaceship at all costs. What the <laughs> I'm gonna fucking and throw so up. That is just, it is I would throw myself out of the ship. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> Nah, I'm good. We're good. Bye. And then, so they're like, he's like trying to play calm, and he's looking at the, at the Russians, and they're they're like, is are you getting anything? And he's like, no, nothing at all. 
And then he's like, are you getting anything? And the Russians are like, no, nothing at all. But you know that there are probably messages going to them as well. And then it becomes like this kind of intense, paranoid standoff between the two of them because they all, all of a sudden these alliances and these friendships that have obviously been been building over the course of however many trips up into space they've been doing are now fraught as they're worried about their loved ones down and they can't get in touch with anyone at at NASA or the the Russian side of things and so they don't know what their if their loved ones are okay they don't know what's going on down there and they just have their marching orders to take the station at all cost and it is intense you fucking th- <laughs> <laughs> you think god i have a stomach is... just thinking about that yeah yeah it's um it's really well done it's directed by gabriella cowperthwaite that is a that's a name but she is the director of uh, weirdly enough she was the um the director of blackfish that uh, documentary about SeaWorld and orcas like what <laughs> weird okay yeah but range range really i job. suppose uh, i think this the production design on this is really good the score is really good the acting is really good um there's like there's a couple moments in the script that i was like uh, that seems a little far-fetched but overall this is a really tight claustrophobic par- uh, paranoid thriller in space and i was blown away by it i really really enjoyed this one i want to see it in a the movie theater i think it'd be amazing uh, like i I never saw Gravity because that shit makes me so anxious. Like, space scares me. And so I just don't want to experience that. And um, that sounds like a lot of things. Is it so it looks good? Like, is it like a lot of CGI or do they kind of like ape? Like, how do they? I'm curious about like the graphics so and stuff. The one, the one area, and I'm not 100% sure. I think what we got was a working cut. I think my screener was a working cut. Okay. Because right. um, there was, and I, I say that because I was like, ooh, some of this some of this looks really good and some of it doesn't look the best, but then there's a moment where a green screen is being reflected on a person's lip and I'm like, okay. And there's a couple scenes toward the end that aren't color corrected. So I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be fixed. Oh, um, Or it okay. has been fixed since it since it premiered at Tribeca, because I don't know at what point they, they just sent the screeners out, you know, and maybe it's not. So I think that the effects that started out in the film are great. Some of the effects towards the end are a little iffy, but I honestly think it's just because they were standing things and they're trying to color color correct and fix things. So I think okay. I think once it, once it comes out, it's going to look really good because there are some really stunning sequences early on in the film that I was like, this looks really good and expensive. So cool. I do think okay. it'll be good. Hell yeah. So that's that. Let's uh go in a completely different direct direction. I want to hear about this uh, rape revenge story. Okay. So this is like a kind of a surprise for me. This was a movie mm. that um, kind of slipped into my inbox um, called Pollen. It's from okay. released from Gravitas Ventures. And it is this really interesting. I was really interested in reading it. This, the um, the plot synopsis because it's about how it's about a young woman who's assaulted by a senior co-worker and how her dream job becomes a living nightmare as she tries to keep her career together as she's tormented at work and at home and in her dreams by a mysterious tree monster so it's like molding rape revenge big rape revenge stuff with trees and I was like okay this is 
piqued my curiosity. This sounds like something yeah. Mary Beth McAndrews might quite like. And so um, I ended up checking it out, especially I heard some, I talked a little bit to the director and, you know, he's talking about how like the main character's name is Hera. And a lot of this is inspired by great, the Greek mythology and Greek tragedy. And I was also, so that was really interesting. And so this film is, it's definitely low budget, but the, the tree monster is quite, is quite good. There's like a man in a tree suit. It's all practical. So it, it's, it looks really good. And it basically follows a young, a young woman gets her dream job is like trying to fit in. And she, and she basically goes on a date with her hot older coworker. He wants to come home with her at night. She says, no, please don't come in. He shoves his way in and assaults her, but she doesn't see it as assault at first. And so I, that's really interesting because it plays with these nuances of like power dynamics and sexual relationships in a way that is like pretty impressive and it's then it also becomes about how she doesn't fit in in the office, about how hard it is to be a woman in the workplace. And it melds all of these like really interesting themes together while also kind of having Hera uh, kind of lose her mind and kind of not okay. know how to handle like everything going on around her. And I was really impressed with it. I mean, like it's pretty, it's low budget and like some of the, um, the story doesn't like fully connect. But I was really impressed by the lead. Her name's Ava Rose Kennard, who plays Hera. And she's really, really talented. And I just, like, was really... It's a movie that I don't think anyone's going to watch because it's, like, one of those really tiny, like, micro-budget indie movies that I feel like kind of get thrown on demand and, like, there's, like, one press release and no one ever talks about it. But this is one that I think deserves some love and some eyeballs. I think there's a really good vision here and I think there's some really awesome ideas and they were able to pull something off that was really, really impressive, especially with the budget. And it it's directed by a man, but it's really sensitive to the... I, I know I, I'm really focused on, like, female-directed rape revenge movies, but this one was one of the more, like, careful male-directed rape revenge movies I've ever seen. And was really kind of fascinated with how he frames the assault. And, again, like, I'm... It's, like, I'm always fascinated with how that's handled in these films. And I just was, like super impressed with it. it i don't know what else to say. like it sounds like i'm repeating myself but like i don't want to give anything away because it's quite shocking and it's just like a really interesting take on like creature melding genres together to create something really kind of sad and fascinating so yeah that's pollen it's out now you can um rent it or buy it on on digital so, yeah, I mean, give it a chance. It might not be everyone's taste, but I think it's a pretty a pretty cool piece of micro-budget indie horror filmmaking and getting at some really interesting stuff in a really cool, unique, and nuanced way. And you said the, the tree monster looks pretty cool. I think, yeah, the tree monster is like a suit. There's like a dude in it, and it looks creepy. Oh, okay. And there's some really creepy imagery throughout, like, and... So I think, yeah, it looks really good. They definitely like, it looks like they put a lot of budget into making sure the monster looked good because it is like a pretty easy concept, except for the monster to like have this horror stuff around. So yeah, a lot of the budget goes into making that monster actually look like a monster and not some weird CGI creature, which I think really makes it feel as impactful as it does. They could have gone cheesy really quickly. And I was very worried about that, but it's not. It's actually, again, like it's pretty like, you know, the monster is her rage, et cetera, et cetera. But still. Right, right. It's still good. I, I think that's interesting, kind of mirroring a very like human 
rape revenge story with like more monstrous type creature type thing. Yeah. That's, that's weird. You don't, I don't think you see that very often. We don't. And that's actually something I was thinking about while watching it is that like, I want more of that. And I think because like rape revenge is such a, like ha- is, has previously been such an exploitative subgenre that like having the woman be raped was kind of like, you didn't need a monster. It was just, but then I feel like now as things have kind of shifted, I think there could be some really interesting stuff to do with that. And I think Resurrection did that a little bit, that Rebecca mm-hmm. Hall movie, but there's just so like, and Pollen is really hitting in a spot that I think needs to be explored more. Oh, uh, what? Okay. That's weirdest semi true crime story. Tell me more about this. <laughs> This is another Tribeca film okay. um, called He Went That Way. And okay, it's based on a book by Conrad Hilberry. And the book is called Luke Karamazaz and the real life account from... And it's a real life account. All right. What? <laughs> it's a real life what? <laughs> about animal trainer Dave Pitts, who is the sole survivor of serial killer Larry Raines' killing spree. What the? Fucker, he's what are you watching? <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah, so it's based on that, but the character names are different. So, this has um, Jacob Alordi, who we all know. I I love him. I wish he were to play. I wish he was playing less horrible people in movies. Oh, is he the is he the serial killer? Yes. Oh. And his and he I, plays a character named Bobby, and he he's like hitchhiking down Route sixty six in 1964, I believe, and he has left a trail of bodies all down this this path. And we follow um, a character named Jim, who is an ana- a celebrity animal trainer, who uh, his animal is uh, that he takes care of is named Sparky. And he is, uh, it's a real animal, um, like a real life animal, celebrity animal named Sparky that was a chimpanzee. And so he is traveling down Route 66 with Sparky. You kind of don't really know where he's going. He says he's going to Chicago and you don't really quite know why. And he is at this stop and he sees Bobby standing out there like just a tall drink of water in his tight jeans his his white tank top and like a, a jean jacket smoking a cigarette giving off like james dean vibes and he's just out there trying to get a ride and two girls like stop by because he's incredibly attractive but they're like ah we're not gonna take you and so he's out there and jim just like says okay do, do you want a ride and there's this like undercurrent here of like homophobia because Bobby asks him, "Are you a suck?" He's like, "I don't know what that means." He's like, "A sick fuck, a sick fuck, a suck." And there's a lot of things like he's there's moments where he he talks about how like queers do that or queers wear cologne, and so there's like a lot of like toxic masculinity going on with his character. Jim, of course, is played by Zachary Quinto, who is who is queer in real life, and it feels like. Jim might be kind of queer. He's married to a woman, but you kind of get this vibe from him that he might be kind of attracted to Bobby. And as they're driving, Bobby pulls out a Derringer, which is he's used to like kill people this entire time and basically threatens Jim's life. And 
what follows is this weird, almost found family moment between the two of them. Uh. Where, like, the serial killer and him, who, like, is planning to kill Jim early on, starts to, like, become friends. And they have, like, this really weird sexual tension between the two of them Uh. that... It's oh. never really explored. I'm I'm going to throw this out there. It might be a spoiler, but I really wanted them to kiss, and they don't kiss, and I was really upset about Ew. this because That's there was lame. so much. I also wanted them yeah. to kiss. <laughs> Me too. But there's there's like there's because there's like this this intense intense chemistry and undercurrent of sexual tension between them the entire time and it's basically just a road trip movie about jim and his monk and his chimpanzee uh, and this serial killer which is based on a real story yeah okay yeah it's it's weird i at the beginning i was like this isn't really working for me but but there's like a quick there's like this sharp turn where it's focusing on their relationship so much more and i was like found myself really interested in in what was going on between the two of them i just i wish that they would have consummated it but yeah it's um it's interesting uh really well acted between jacob and and zachary and i i just yeah i'm I'm still. I just watched it last night because the the screener came in and it was going to expire tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm okay. watching it tonight. <laughs> so I'm still trying to process my my thoughts on this one. Okay. But um, my only real qualm with it is that the monkey is played by someone in a monkey suit. I can't. I can't like, get away from me. What? Yeah. It's what? Like, it's it's giving me like Wait. like she is like I I believe I believe the the person that's playing Spanky is Phoenix Notary. And I was trying to figure out who Phoenix Notary was, but then at at the end of the credits, it says that Phoenix Notary played Spanky and also this young girl that shows up in briefly in one scene. And so it's played by a girl in a monkey suit. And that kind of gives me this weird, like uncanny Valley moment where I was like, I don't think that's CG, but I don't think that's a real monkey. (laughs) And so I spent most of the movie going, is that a monkey? Is that someone in a suit? So it's it's giving me this weird this weird vibe. What that was like is my this only real movie? complaint about it? Fucking weird. What is this? Fucking weird. <laughs> there are no pictures online of the monkey yet. Damn it. No, no, there's not. No, there's not. I need to know. I need a visual. Wow. Okay. I don't quite understand. It just was giving what... me so many weird vibes. I don't quite yeah. under understand the vibe that this is going for but that's okay it's a lot of weird vibes that somehow coalesce into something very interesting and heartwarming all right just shit sure i'll take your word for it uh like there's this really weird seduction scene where bobby jacob alordi's character he's asking he they they take two girls to this to their hotel and they just like talk because Bobby Bobby is like saying that he's going back to Michigan to meet his girl and he starts talking he wanted to talk to him about trying to win his girl back and they fall asleep and so Bobby and Jim are having this this really deep hearted conversation he's like well maybe they would tell you that you need to be gentle more because he flies off he has like a really bad anger problem and he's like i can be gentle and he goes over to the girl and it's this kind of creepy weird like he's kissing her leg while she's asleep and so it's this skeezy moment but like he is doing it while staring deeply into jim's eyes and so it's like this really weird 
No, it's, it's a that's very okay. weird movie. No, thank you. <laughs> it's just very weird, but it ends up being this kind of heartwarming story by the end, and I just I don't know what to think of it, and so I'm still literally parsing my thoughts on this live on air i'm gonna take your fucking word for it because it sure as shit does not sound like it'd be heartwarming so you know what i'll take your word for it huh (laughs) all right yeah so let's he went that way all right i gotta know though your weekend watches i i I gotta hear first of all i gotta hear what did you think of the bear how much of it did you watch yeah okay there's so many there's so many questions because so uh i went home this weekend uh my mom got Carpal tunnel surgery, which is, like, not very major. It's, like, very minor fucking surgery. But it was on her dominant hand because she had just gotten surgery on the other hand. So she is just, like, not able to use her hands right now, like, at all. And that's, you know, kind of difficult. So I went home for the Mm. weekend just to help out around the house and, like, hang out with her. And she loves to watch TV. She's a big TV person. So basically use it as an excuse to watch a bunch of tv and old movies and stuff and that uh led to some hilarious hilarious hijinks ensued with this plan that we had my mom was also on opioids on tramadol because she again had her hands slit open so okay so we watched the other two and we watched two episodes of that very into it i like it a lot it's very, it is almost too cringy for me to watch, which is shocking. But holy shit, that movie, that show is deeply uncomfortable, but I'm very into it. So you just, once you get to like the, the second to last episode, I think it's episode seven, which is one long take in the restaurant while shit is happening. Oh, marry me at recess. <laughs> like, oh, shit, the other two. My bad. I was thinking the bear. Oh, I was like, bitch, what are you talking? I was like. What? Yes. I'm, I'm no, no, no. only losing it. Yes. Yeah. This is the other two. This so is the comedy. Cute. The comedy so show. I'm sorry. It's okay. That one is giving me major cr- like was very uncomfortable because like I love her, but she is diabolical and I'm very excited to see what mm-hmm. else this bitch gets up to because she sucks and I love her so much. So yeah, so that was the other two. My mom does not really like it. I do. So I will be continuing to watch it. I showed my parents from, got them really into from. Oh, okay. They love Lost. So I was like, well, let's show them this. They were very into it. Uh, The bear, finally started the bear. Loved it. I felt like I was gonna have a fucking panic attack. I watched it with my mom and my grandmother, which was hilarious. My grandmother was like, I am gonna throw up. What is this show? I'm very excited to keep watching it. Loved watching it with my chef parents who are like, it's just very funny. Like anything with food with them is just very funny to watch. So I'm sorry, you watched how many episodes of the bear? Just one. Because okay. my mom, yeah, we only watched one, so I have to keep watching. But my mom was like, "I was wondering because there's like there's like a a brief. I think it's either a flashback or a dream where uh, the main character I cannot remember what the character's name. Carney. It's a flashback to him, Carney. Yeah, him working at a New York like the fancy New York restaurant, and just like the in the like very precise things that he has to do with that. There's so much about that. Yeah, just like yeah. And my, my parents were really funny just about, like, respect in the kitchen and, like, them talking about respect in the kitchen. So that was really mm-hmm. fun. So we watched that. And then my mom, this is my mom's fucking idea. My mom goes, have you ever heard of the movie Hereditary? And I was like. Your mom brought it up? Yes, it was my mother. She's like, have you heard of this movie Hereditary? And I was like, 
have I heard of the movie Hereditary? And she was like, sorry. And she goes, Tommy said I shouldn't watch it and that it was really scary, but I really want to watch it. Do you want to watch it with me tonight? And I was like, I sure do. Mm, So it ended up being a family affair. My mom, my stepdad, my brother and his girlfriend and me um, and the dog all watched it together. And I made the really, really intelligent decision of getting really high before that because I thought that it would be like really funny um, to watch my mom watch it. Not remembering like my own trauma. So I did a lot of sitting on my phone, not looking at the screen and trying to pretend I didn't exist. Uh, My mom, when uh, the head scene happens, my mom goes, Mary Beth McAndrews, what the fuck are you doing to me? She was like, you just picked this movie so you could show me that. And I was like, no, I did not. You wanted to watch it. And my brother, my brother goes, mom, this isn't even the half of it yet. And my mom goes, what the fuck? And so... At one point, my stepdad got up and went into the kitchen and didn't come back. He, like, could not handle it. He was so making successful. himself... He's made himself a snack and was, like, eating it in the kitchen and watching the movie, but, like, from the kitchen. So it was a successful watch. It Did was. Like it? Well, hate, like... My mom ended up not liking it because my mom... My mom was just like, why the fuck were they all naked? Like, she just, just like, doesn't get... Get... I don't want to say doesn't get it. But, like, she does not buy into the artsy shit. She And, like, the kind of, like, that heart. Like, it's, not even, it's not even, like, artsy. But, like, she just doesn't want any of that bullshit. She wants, like, straightforward. She's not, like, dealing with that. And so she was a little bit... She was like, that was too long. I was like, okay, mom. She didn't... I don't think she wanted the trauma meditation. I think she just wanted the end. Which, like, to her benefit, fair. But it was just... My stepdad was just like, that was too much. So that was what... Oh, and then we also uh, also watched The Silence of the Lambs again. Because my mom had never watched it all the way through. And then my stepdad and I just quoted it the whole time. That movie still holds up. I know it's problematic, but it's also still really good. Here's my... That is my truth. And then we also watched Thirteen Going on 30. Wow. That's a... That's a gamut. I let my mom run the show. This is what she did. Oh, and then I also introduced her to Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> Which I heard from uh, from Cass, my, my my roommate, that the uh, the fourth the fourth part of the reunion was wild. Third part. Third part. My bad. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It was just, it, I, I, I'm getting a little bit bored of it now. It's been going on for too long. It's been too many. It's just been. I'm just sick of these fucking people. They're not that important. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I love it, but, oh, like, yeah. like I love, I, I, I say this as someone who loves it, but, like, the fact that everyone talks about I'm like, oh, this is, like, not, this isn't fun anymore. Like, give back, just give me back my stupid junk food trash. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> when I heard that there was a three-part, three, I thought four, three-part finale, I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, they're all, a they're. reunion part is. Okay. This is my favorite thing about. This is a tangent. I'm really sorry. But my fa- this is my favorite thing about watching all the Bravo stuff from, like, the beginning. And, like, I am not a bitch who will start at one season and, and like, not watch the early seasons. Like, I want the full chronology. Like, I want to know how deep the trauma goes. And so you see, w- when, like, when they first started and, like, what the reunions were like and how they built them to be these, like, three-part events. They went from, like, these, like, super dinky little, like, we're sitting in, like studio chairs talking to like these 
and these huge multi-part dramatic like situations and it's fascinating to see what they have become anyway that's me talking about the evolution of bravo television also all of the things i watched with my family this weekend uh yeah it was a wild weekend but it was nice because i also this leads into the next thing i also read a book this weekend like on a lark bought this book that we both read at the same time this weekend really weird yeah, I uh, was on TikTok and um, I was got into book talk at one point and there was I don't remember what I don't remember I don't remember what what it was or what the like theme was but they showed three books and one of them was um, the new Cassandra Cobb book which I bought and then the another one I think I said you is a TikTok about the under aquatic horror books just to watch was it one you of the ones I that. said that mm-hmm. okay no it was I just randomly oh it was a different it. one okay um, sorry yeah <laughs> getting my TikTok and it was like mixed the Cass- <laughs> it was it was Cassandra Cobb's new book um, the salt grows heavy and I, like, I want to read that so yes. bad so I I was like ooh. I wanted to read that one. Let me add that to my my list. And then there was this really striking cover of this book with the, with a very interesting title of um, Our Wives Under the Sea. And I was like, ooh, is this aquatic horror? I'm very much into this. And so I went to read the synopsis and I was like, oh, it's queer. It's aquatic horror. I got to I got to get this. And so I bought it. And then when I showed shared this picture on Twitter, Mary Beth is like, I'm reading our wives into the sea. And I'm like, fuck, so am I <laughs> at the same time. So weird, but very good and serendipitous because that was the Yeah, because I've seen that recommended on TikTok a bunch as like a really good, heartbreaking, creepy, mm. underwater, deep sea book. And I was like, well, sign my ass up. And I, and it's got like, and it's gay and it's about love. And so we both read it this weekend and we're both um, emotionally destroyed by perhaps one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. The, the writing in this book is so beautiful. That's what like immediately pulled me in was like Julia Armfield is the author and her writing in this, I was just like, I was 20 pages in and I put the book down I was like what else has she written and I had to go look her up because I was like this is my new favorite obsession her writing is just so it's like as I was trying to explain it to someone it's it's like the writing that I would read and get really excited about when I was an English major but it's about a subject I'm very interested in yeah yeah and so it's like combining this very artful poetic language with some really gnarly body horror cosmic horror aquatic horror with like this heartbreaking love story yeah oh tore my heart out i know and like well and i think something that she really captures is like what it means to actually be in love with somebody like Mm. in terms of like the minutiae of love and it got me and my fucking feelings about my fucking husband back there and just like i'm getting a little bit emotional thinking about it just like the things that you don't think about but she puts them into these beautiful words about like the memories you have with each other and like how there's like these passages about how she talks about how I'm not just seeing the world for me anymore. I'm also seeing it for her so I can recount my day to her and share. And I'm just like, fuck, that is like exactly it. But there's and like there's so much love in this book that is so sad. And it is about this like relationship that is like falling apart against both of their wishes and it's just so beautiful and so sad it's like this perfect example of how 
a good creepy horror movie can also be so deeply emotionally affecting. And it's all from two perspectives because it's Mary and Leia are the two women in the in the relationship and we hear from both like the this perspective chapters switch off between the two of them. So getting their perspectives on what is happening or what has happened and what is going on. Yeah, and so Mary's is in the present and they are their wives and Leah had gone down um, she's a, a marine biologist. She went on the sub and with two other people and the sub just something goes wrong and the sub just starts sinking. The ballasts fill and it, and they aren't able to contact their uh, the people on the surface. Everything seems to be working OK, but like the ship is just sinking and the power is out and they just keep falling to the bottom of the ocean in this like where it's so dark and so we have Leah kind of recounting her time down in, in the in the sub and the, the kind of horrors that start to happen when people are stuck down there, as well as seeing her come back from Miri's perspective. And she's come back different. And she's turning on the taps of water. She's, she's not eating. Um, she's hiding in the bathroom with the sound machine. Everything must be salty, like she keeps adding salt to water and drinking it. And so we're seeing the kind of after effects while we're also sort of learning a little bit about what happened when Leah was down there. And it is, yeah. it's just, it's, it's just heartbreaking. And the ending, the last 20 pages, I was like trying to not bawl and it got me at the end. It's just, it's beautiful. It's perfection. I really would like to get Julia on the podcast because I would like to really talk to her about aquatic horror because it's so good and i just i really loved it what a debut novel like i know and she has a hell. short story collection called salt slow that i have not read but i'm immediately i ordered it yeah purchasing because i have to read it now because that book is so good so i will be reading that next because good lord uh well that about does it for this week's little cuts terry <laughs> Who are we talking to on Monday? Oh my goodness. All right. We're chatting with um, filmmaker, producer, and the producer of Postmortem with Mick Garris podcast, Joe Russo. Not the Avengers, Joe Russo. (laughs) The horror one. The one we love. And he brought with him Predator. He sure fucking did. He brought with him Predator. Finally got to talk about Predator. Really fun conversation about us just about this weird-ass fucking movie that is, like, kind of homoerotic and very, very 80s. Uh, It's a good time. And we also, um, before we talk about that, though, we uh, Joe is a strike captain with WGA in L.A., so he talks to us a little bit about what's going on with the strike and how you can support the writer's Mm -hmm. strike right now. So it's a really cool episode uh, for all sorts of reasons. So that is on Monday, so please check it out. And, yeah. And once again, Fresh Wounds episode is out. Check it out. Be a patron. Yep. Yay! Be gay, do crime. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Very much that. Very much that. Fuck. You've heard from us. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Did you watch anything that we watched this week? Did you, or did you read Our Wives Under the Sea? You can uh, tell us your reactions, what you thought, by sending us an email at scarred for, wait, what is our email? Oh, my God. Scarred for life podcast at gmail.com. Or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. Yeah, that's who I am. Uh, Shit. 
the energy this episode is so all over the place. Uh, it's it's been a week and it's only fucking Tuesday. I am Gaily Dreadful at Gaily Dreadful. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Mary Beth told you about our new Fresh Wounds episode. So uh, thank you to our patrons. And if you want to help support us, please go out there and get some fun content. Ooh, I hate that I said content. Content! I gotta stop saying that word. I hate that word. I really hate that word. Anyway. Thank, thank you to Eric Farr for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. Until next time. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break. The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratches from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>